Welcome to Q&A. We're so grateful you decided to join us. And if you have questions from after the service this morning, the number's up on the screen and we encourage you to text them in. Uh, really appreciate you joining us this morning. I, I'm really enjoying the, I know this is a kickoff of the new series of Walk In and Ephesians, yeah. but really, really encouraging. And after listening to Thursday's service, something that was really resonating with me throughout the weekend as a parent uh-huh. thinking about my root source of humility and mm. parenting with my children. And that uh-huh. was really an area of conviction as well as just encouragement and just something yeah, that I've been processing this weekend. I didn't mean you should weekend. be humble as a parent. No, oh my gosh. <laughs> Talk about an opportunity to be humble. <laughs> yes, yes. And so many times where I clearly can see that my kids are reflecting my behavior towards the Lord. Right. Well, and to, to recognize, if we go down the parenting path, to recognize, Lord, if, if my son or my daughter or my children are going to walk with you, it will only be by your grace. Because mm. if they see, our kids see all of our weaknesses, all of our warts, most clearly, they see us uh, at our worst. Yep. And so we recognize, well, at least I did, the the overwhelming sense of God's grace if our kids walk with the Lord. Absolutely. When I think so, about how many times yeah, I've sought forgiveness from my children. Huh. Regular basis. <laughs> Regular basis. It's a good model. Um, so we have a question come in in the service. Uh, you had mentioned about uh, unity in marriage. Yeah. So a question here. Um, when we got married, we were both unbelievers. I have accepted Christ. My spouse has not. How is unity to happen in our home? Okay. Uh, I'm glad it was asked. Um, first of all, the scripture says, and I mentioned it in the message, that we're not to be unequally yoked. So mm-hmm. where we have opportunity prior to marriage taking place, as 2 Corinthians 6.14, a believer is intended to marry another believer. Um, wrongly, and this is beyond the question, I'll get back to the question, but wrongly, people have taken the Old Testament concept of Jewish people marrying within Jewish ranks, if you will, and not marrying foreigners. That has been falsely applied to that you should not marry someone of a different race. Hmm. When in fact, God was setting the stage for, no, you are a unique people of faith and you're not to marry outside of your faith. So it's not a race issue, it's a faith issue. That carries through as followers of Jesus now. So as a follower of Jesus, uh, I would be making a mistake. I would be going against scripture if I said, well, uh, I really like this person. We really get along well. We, you know, Everything else fits. We just don't match up faith. But, but I think that'll be okay. Now, that, that's going to be difficult from the start. Mm-hmm. So because that's true, then in Corinth, the question became, well, we were both unbelievers, idol worshipers. Now I came to faith and... My spouse didn't. Should we divorce since it's not right to be married to an unbeliever? And Paul specifically answers that question. He says, no, you should not divorce if you are a believer who is married to an unbeliever. And he poses this question. He says, how do you know? And he says it both ways. A woman, if you, by your living according to your calling, your faith will not win your husband. Or how do you know? Husband, if your faith will not win your wife. So he says, don't divorce. 
in that marriage, you, though you're not one together, you live out your oneness with the Lord. And in so doing, you don't know whether that will end up bringing your spouse to faith in Christ. He, In fact, he only says divorce is permissible in that situation if the unbeliever doesn't want to stay in the marriage. Mm. Uh, as long as the unbeliever is willing to stay in the marriage, he encourages the believer. So, uh, how do you? The question was, how do we maintain unity mm-hmm. in this situation? Yes. Well, first of all, you maintain unity, but not ending in the relationship. Second, you live out your relationship with Jesus according to His calling on your life. Don't shrink back because your spouse is not there. It makes it harder because hopefully my walk with the Lord encourages my wife and my wife's walk with the Lord encourages me. So I recognize it's harder. You don't have the closest person in your life spurring you on to love and to good works. So you're going to be more dependent upon the Spirit even than a person maybe in a in a mutually faith marriage, depend upon the Lord. Look to Him to be your leader. Love as you've been loved. Give grace as you've been given grace. The Scripture uh, would say, if you're the wife in this situation, and did it say a wife? It didn't say, it say just my a spouse. spouse. Okay, mm-hmm. if you're the wife in this situation, don't um, use too many words. Mm-hmm. The first Peter three talks about win without words, win by your behavior, live win by your grace. So, uh, especially a wife, it can be hard when their husband's not walking with the Lord to want to try to convince them. Convince with your life, not your words. Actions speak. Yes. Yeah. Actions speak. Um, so also a relationship question here. How do we respond with humility when using when stronger words are necessary because someone who is being abusive or harassing isn't hearing the gentle words? Um, yeah, that's a great question hmm. because, and so here's my immediate reaction, um, and then I'll draw the parallel. Uh, very impactful for me uh, was the man who said to me, uh, some people say don't encourage because that will give people a big head. Hmm. And he said, that's foolishness. My responsibility for before the Lord is to encourage people. It's up to them to how they respond to it. So he said, I'm going to do what I'm accountable before the Lord up to them. I would apply that in this same situation. Um, gentleness is your responsibility as an overflow of your calling, your recognition of God's grace in your life that's brought humility, you speak gently. Whether they receive your gentle words or not is up to them. Don't allow their hard-heartedness or their lack of receptivity to be justification for that you need to somehow stop being what Christ has called you to be. Uh, another example would be James chapter 1 says this, The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. 
The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And what I hear in this question is, I tried to be gentle. I was gentle. Gentle's not working. I have to get angry. I have to get hard. I have to get loud in order to make them hear. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. You think that will, but it won't. You be accountable. You do your part before the Lord. And the longer you are in humility, gentle, patient, and forbearing. Uh, Romans describes that as pouring coals, heaping hot coals on the head of a person. In other words, they are feeling the weight of, you continue to bless me even though I curse you. And we leave the work of God for the hard-hearted person. We leave that to the work of the Lord. We continue to do our part. Does that make sense? I used not maybe too many words there. but uh. Uh, No, it does make sense. And it, it, um, I think that does make sense. And it's also something that would be unexpected in mm-hmm. a lot of situations to have a gentle yes. response. The gentleness to continue. Right. See, what's expected is we try gentleness, and when gentleness doesn't work, we try to be patient, but then we go, hey, they are, they're abusing my patience. So that gives me calls to become impatient. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, picture, as crazy as it is, hard as it is, picture uh, the Lord Jesus on the cross, suffering physically, tortured, mocked, beaten, and he uttered no threats. He entrusted himself. Peter says he entrusted himself to his father. That's what I encourage this person to do. Keep being gentle and entrust yourself to the father. Uh, You will not go wrong in continuing to submit to the Lord's will and walking in the Spirit and bearing forth the fruit of the Spirit. It will be unexpected, but that's that's our calling. Mm. Um, And so with that, uh, the fruit that we should bear, this question says, can you comment on what fruit we should bear to the world or people we meet outside church walls, believers and unbelievers, if humility is our root? Uh Uh-huh. Colossians 4 says, make the most of the opportunity you have with outsiders. And so that's the world in that Mm -hmm. question. And then it follows with this. Having your speech always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that we give grace within our marriage and within the body of Christ, and that grace is reflected in gentleness, patience, and forbearance, we give grace to a world as well. Mm-hmm. I expect, part of grace is this. I expect unbelievers to live like unbelievers. I think unbelie- I expect unbelievers to think like unbelievers. I expect unbelievers to choose and decide and to act and react like unbelievers. So I give grace. They're dead in their sin. And so I recognize their only hope is to be born again and experience a new calling. We are so quick within the church and outside the church to condemn fruit rather than addressing root. Hmm. A changed heart 
is the only means by which they would uh, change their action in a God-glorifying way. So, and that's only going to happen by God's grace. It's the only way it happened in my life. It's the only way it happened in your life. So give the grace that you have received. Mm-hmm. And next question here, going along with that, how does one human judge another as a believer non or unbeliever? Is that not a human assuming God's job? But you just spoke to the yeah. fruit that you see as different. Um, but that second part of the question, is that not a human assuming God's job? Um, well, I'm not sure I follow the question completely, but as it relates to judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, in Corinth, the church in Corinth, there was a man who was professing to be a believer, but was in, involved in sexual immorality. And the church, instead of uh, condemning the, not the sinner, but the sin, and saying, no, that's wrong, that cannot continue with a professing believer, uh, they did not remove the gentleman from the church. And Paul writes and says, a little leaven leavens the whole dough. And so mm-hmm. we need to address sin. We do it with forbearance. In other words, as soon as we sin, so we, as soon as we see sin in somebody's life, we don't go, okay, you're out. Right. Uh, we all sin. The issue is there's sin and an unwillingness to admit to sin, repent of sin, turn from sin. Mm-hmm. So right. it's the, the person who has been confronted with sin, the person who has been admonished to repent of their sin, and they refuse to listen. Ultimately, Matthew 18, the scripture says, that person needs to be removed from the body because a little leaven leavens the whole dough. And then he writes at the end in his correction to them in chapter 5, oh, I love this. He says, verse 9, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with covetous or swindlers or with idolaters. For then you would have to go out of the world. In other words, if you're not going to relate with them, you have to leave the planet because they're all over the planet. (laughs) But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a viler or a drunkard or a swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? I don't. Do you not judge those who were within the church? Yes. But those who are outside, God judges. Inside, remove the wicked man from among yourselves. So there is a relationship. It's not that I don't have grace to one another, Mm -hmm. but this is why I define forbearance as not by tolerance. We're taking sin and saying it's okay. We're saying we recognize we're all growing and learning, and there is sin in my life I need to address. If I'm unwilling to address it repeatedly, there's action I need to take. But that's within the church. Outside the church, uh, I expect them to act like they are unredeemed. They don't have a calling on their life that we reviewed this morning. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, they are walking actually in a manner worthy of their lack of calling. Their walk is consistent with their lack of calling. Mm-hmm. So, maybe I heard something else come in. I hope that was clear. Yeah. Different in the church versus outside the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Next question, what can we do if our genuine concern for others' well-being is received as judgment and criticism? 
is concern really about me versus compassion for others. Hmm. All right. So my the question you're you're trying to express concern mm-hmm. and it's being received as judgment and criticism. All right. Uh, first of all, be honest enough to say you may be telling yourself it's concern, but it really is judgment. It, they could be right. So listen to what they're saying and take that before the Lord. Don't immediately dismiss it. It could be accurate. You take it before the Lord. Your conscience is clear. No, this is rooted in compassion and kindness. You can't help what people perceive. That'd be the first. So listen and ask honestly, humbly, is there truth here? Second, ask them, what makes, it, what makes you feel judged? They may, it may be your tone. It may be that you've told me a thousand times. You know, sometimes we think, well, just one more time. Just one more time is going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is piling on instead of really giving them room to respond to the Lord. So it may be uh, that you need to ask, why is it coming across that? And you may learn something in that process. Usually, uh, instead of being defensive, You've heard me say, Tracy, how'd you come to that conclusion? Mm-hmm. It's just another firm. Good of, question. Yeah, another form of how'd you come to that conclusion or, or how is it that you're perceiving it that way? I genuinely want to hear. Because if you don't want to be judgmental, then ask the question. If you don't want to be perceived as judgmental, ask the question. It may be tone. It may be content. It may be repetition. Uh, who knows how, it, but you ought to find out. And if you yeah. can, sorry, but no, if you can, then change. We're tolerance in love is not changing right or wrong to right. That's mm-hmm. not the tolerance we're talking about. Tolerance in love is saying we're all learning and growing. I'll give you time and space to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one question just pop in here. I see all this applying to single parenting relationship with our children as an example to our children to grow into humbleness themselves, what do you think? So That's an observation, not a question. Do yeah. I think that it applies to what? Single parenting relationship with our children. Yeah, yeah. And dual parenting relationship mm-hmm. with our children. Yes. That's why specifically I said uh, what God wants to happen in the church, he wants to happen in the home, mm-hmm. not just the marriage, the home. Yes, the marriage, and yes, the home. And, and extended beyond mm-hmm. that. Where there's brokenness, um, where there's brokenness in the home, I could not plead enough to go back and do an honest look at your own life and go, how are these four character? Ristics not present in my life. And you got to start with the humility one because mm-hmm. it's the root. Absolutely. And it may even be in a specific situation where it's been a struggle with a child or a family member or whatever to think in that one situation, yeah. am I being humble? What is my heart? Sometimes that helps me like to narrow it down rather than big, like, oh, 
I'm not. So let me work on that because sometimes those repetitive situations are where yeah. that keeps coming up mm-hmm. and lacking humility. Probably, yeah, our prob- our pride probably repeatedly shows up in particular areas mm-hmm. in our lives. I would agree. Uh, in our home and sometimes outside of our home. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into it the this morning. I spent time on Thursday night, but uh, lack of time this morning. But ju- just address that that I recognize the foolishness of my pride come out when I'm driving. I expect, I don't think this, but I expect um, people to always drive right. And the foolishness of that is I don't. But when I don't, I expect them to understand why I'm not in that moment. Yeah, it's okay for me in that moment. Yes, (laughs) yes. Uh, And so just yesterday, I'm driving down San Jose and there's this person in the middle of the three lanes going 10 miles under the speed limit. And I'm just like, and nobody, I'm not, they can't hear me. And so I justify all that. But as I drive by them and I look to see who this crazy person. Oh, you person, gave them yeah. the look? Well, they couldn't <laughs> see me, but I just want to end. And it was like, oh, so great message Thursday night, Doug. The spirit of guy gone, still the idiot you've always been on the road. And so... All I can do, what I do in that moment, Lord, I repent. That's foolishness. I have no idea what's going on in that person's life, why they're driving that way. But gentleness, patience, forbearance, because I can be that same person. So Mm -hmm. humility is where it starts. So where pride shows up, learn to repent of it. And remind yourself of God's grace. I know we're over time. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining this morning. We hope you are encouraged and have a wonderful day.